0: not that good actually, but uh, the person I want to talk about and the topic and the subject that I want to talk about and the God that I want to talk about, he is good and he is perfect and he is amazing. Um, How is it, I would ask you this morning, how is it that we can do amazing, great things and almost in the same breath suddenly kind of doubt and fear and struggle? Anyone experienced that? I want to talk this morning to those of you that have doubted, those of you that have ever feared, that part of you that doubts, that part of you that's ever feared and got nervous and anxious and worried and concerned. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to that part of you this morning. I want to share some testimony this morning. The Word of God says this in Revelation. It says... Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last. Salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. And the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him defeated him. We have defeated him in Christ. How? Tells us, says straight away, and they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb. That means what Christ did at the cross and by the word of their testimony. In fact, this translation says, and by their testimony, I kind of, you get to know verses so well, don't you, in certain translations that you, you kind of automatically go back to them. Testimony. If I was just standing up here this morning, sharing with you about what it says in that big book and all the things it says there, then that would be okay, that would be good, but If I just did that and couldn't relay it to my own life and tell you the testimony of myself, then that would be useless to you. Because it's by the word of God and it's by the testimony as well. And and I wasn't actually going to really share much testimony this morning. I didn't know Peter. Was going to be in this morning, and Donna. So that was literally the first I knew was when Vicky announced it from the platform, and I turned around to see Peter there. I, I won't say too much because I've not spoken to him, and I wouldn't like to share too much about someone's personal life without checking with them first. But I, I, there is a couple of things I can share certainly. That's that Donna approached me a couple of months ago now, probably about six, eight, at least eight weeks ago, I would imagine now, and, and it was this spot kind of here we stood wasn't it Donna and she came over and she told me uh, what had happened with Peter and the situation that Peter was in back in Poland I won't say back home in Poland I'll say in Poland and um, the situation was that they'd noticed there was something different about Peter and there is something different about Peter and it's not just his long hair by the way (laughs) or his good looks. But there's something different about Peter. Peter's had a a spiritual experience of God. He he believes in God. He believes in God. 100% he believes in God. He believes in the power of God. He believes in the power of miracles. And, And in the area that he was in, back in Poland, that had caused some problems for him. Because they'd noticed there was something different about Peter. And they got concerned about that. And... Then some problems in, uh, had ensued, and I, and Donna told me about the situation, and I just, I, I didn't even really think about it, it was just a, a natural response to say, what can I do, anything I can do, we're, we're with you, we'll help you, and we talked a little bit more, and, and essentially what we decided was that I, I would go over to Poland with Donna and the family, and, and with Paul as well, to go and see Peter, who was being um, held, kept, should we say, we'll just say that for now. And uh, we went over to see if we could get Peter out and, and so on. And we, we, we got there, and it was an eventful... Anyone feeling the cold at the moment? Anyone finding it cold? It's going to be really cold this week. Try going to Poland. You think it's cold here? Seriously. Poland? I don't think I took my woolly hat off for five days. I think it literally just lived on my head, and I've not got much hair, so I kind of needed that. But anyway, we <laughs> we sat... In, in an office with with a professional guy and Donna and Paul was there and Peter was there and, and this professional da- guy is there and I'm not there and, and there's all this conversation going on. Now the conversation was in Polish, I think. I mean, they could have been speaking in tongues or anything for all I knew, but there was this conversation going on. I didn't have a clue what was being said. And every every so often, I was just tapping Donna on the shoulder and saying little things and saying, you know, think about this or think about that and so on. And I'm kind of sat there at one point. i had gone over in great faith, believing, hey, you know, I know that there's certain calls on my life. I'm believing I could go over there and help. And I'm sat there and all this is going on in Polish. This is the key moment, the kind of central point of the whole visit really and I'm sat there and all speaking in Polish and I speak English and I don't speak a word of Polish, you tried to teach me a word, I still couldn't tell you what it was because I still (laughs) couldn't even learn one word, (laughs) yeah diagnostica, yeah diagnostica, we had that word didn't we with the car, there was all kinds going on and I'm sat there and I'm thinking God why am I here, how can I have any, I've come here in great faith And they're all speaking Polish, and I don't speak a word, and I haven't got a clue how I can help or have any effect or any influence on this situation. And I'm praying, and I'm saying, God, open my eyes, show me what I can do, you know, that this can't be a waste. And I looked up, and there was a picture on the wall of uh, the, the, the guy, the professional guy, and he had two Real Madrid players, one on either side of him. And I saw the picture, and then I kept looking at the picture. My eyes were drawn more and more to this picture. And and eventually, at the end of the conversation, I, I just kind of motioned to him and pointed to the picture. And I said, Real Madrid, and pointed at the players. And he he, he said something, and I said, oh, Liverpool fan, because I'm thinking I just wanted some connection, just something to, to kind of connect with this guy. I just really felt this was the, the thing to do. And and I believe that... The connections can be more than words. And then he just turned around and went, he said something in English. And I said, you speak English? And he went, yeah, of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> i like, yeah, what do you think, I'm stupid. So that was it then, we were chatting and, and, and the result is... And I don't just mean because of me, but I mean because of the whole thing, the whole the whole visit, wasn't it, Donna? Donna's nodding away there. was God was in it. God was there. And, and Peter's home. And he's safe now. But Peter's different. Peter's different. He's different. And, you know, I want to talk about, about us being different. Because some of you in here this morning, you know that you are different you know that maybe you're not the same as your brothers and sisters in your family. Maybe that it's that you were at school and you realised that you were kind of there was something a little bit different about you to everyone else. Maybe it's that you, you you're older now. Maybe you, you're wiser. Maybe you understand the differences. Maybe you understand that you've got a gift or a, a calling or something about your life that's special that's not the same as what other people have. Maybe you're at peace with that. But I want to talk about differences and and what they can cause because. Differences are problematic, extremely problematic. Because what happens is when we notice that someone is different to ourselves, when other people notice that you're different to them, they get nervous about that. People don't like difference. We don't like difference, it's just a human trait, it's a natural thing. We like people who are the same as us, and we naturally find it difficult, people who are different. And that can have consequences, because when people notice that there's something different about you, they can start to treat you differently, they can become scared of you, and they can react to you in ways that can cause you difficulties. Something that sets you apart as different and what happens often is we recognize that it causes problems so then we try and hide it we try and hide our differences and we try and fit in we try and be like everyone else but that's not always easy, is it? When you know that there's something about you that is different to others, and you're trying to be like everyone else, it's hard, isn't it? It's awkward. It, it, it's maybe even going against what you believe in or who you are, or and maybe you're having to suppress a part of yourself. Maybe you're having to be someone that you're not. Maybe it's, it's just a, a feeling, and an awkward and anxious feeling. But what often happens is, with difference is that it causes others to turn on you. And to attack you, and some of you will have experienced that. You've experienced the, the horrible side of life when people, because of your difference and, and what is 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 not the same as them, that they have suddenly turned on you. They've maybe maybe it's not being overtly, maybe they've just shunned you, maybe they've just not included you, maybe they've actually attacked you, maybe they've been scared of you, maybe they've tried to hold you down, maybe it's in a work scenario and they're trying to keep you in your place and they're trying to stop you from getting. From Promoted. Maybe they're literally just treating you horrible. Maybe they're just, maybe you're being bullied. Maybe you were bullied at school. I would go as far as to say, I think that anyone who is a believer, who is a, 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 a Christian, there is something different about you. There is something different about you. The Bible, we are a peculiar people, the Bible calls us. Yeah, not just me, all of us, you lot as well. We're, we're, not, we're not alone. We're all a bit peculiar. That's what God says. You've only got to read the Bible and look at some of the people that God picked and chose, and they were all different. They all had something about them that separated them from the crowd and made them different. And and the other thing is that often they were persecuted, treated badly about by it or for it, and so on. And what I want to say is, That I'm not on about gender or sexuality here. Although some of you may be struggling with gender or sexuality. That's not what I'm on about. But that can cause a feeling of being different. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. But this can be confused as that. Gender, in fact, if you feel different, sometimes for some people, the the enemy can come in or people can come in and try and tell you that maybe it's a gender issue. Maybe it's a sexuality issue. Maybe it's something about you then you're different to everyone else. Maybe you should explore that because that's a common thing that's being said. I've been in education. and know this is happening. They're they're actively pushing that to get people to to look and to explore that maybe it's because I'm not the same as everyone else. Maybe my sexuality, maybe my gender is different to everyone else. But I'm not talking about that this morning. I'm talking about that feeling that you are different. And then what happens is you can end up being attacked and, and, and treated differently and treated badly. And what happens then is that causes a scar a scar. In fact, I was chatting with my wife the other day, with Vicky, about scars, and we were talking this through. And the thing about a scar, I think it's a great analogy—a scar, a wound, if you like. Okay? Because what happens is, when you get wounded, let's say someone came at me with, or, or, or I got cut with a knife on my arm. Okay? What happens then is I've got a wound on my arm. In fact, I've got a wound, a, a scar actually, on my hand. It's, it's quite a long one. It goes right down there like that. And I was foolishly climbing the loft ladders late at night with my slippers on and they were open back slippers so as I got to the top they they went and I slid down and the aluminium at the top it just cut my hand and and it's quite a scar now that was really sore at the time okay I know some of you cringing and stuff that was really sore at the time and the thing is I couldn't really touch it because it hurt when I touched it okay but it's healed now but I've still got a scar there's a the scar's still there. I could show it, yet. There's a there's quite a big scar, and it's still there on my hand, but it's healing. And the thing about healing is that when something gets healed, when a wound occurs and it's healed, the scar you can still be scarred from it, but that's healed. Even though there's a scar there, even now my hand is different, if you know to 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 what it was, but that's okay because it doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't cause me to flinch. You see, for a time, I was in a situation where I couldn't use that hand properly because it was such a deep wound and a deep cut. I had to avoid using that hand and use my other hand. I had to be careful how I used that hand. I had to use that hand in such a way that I couldn't kind of grab things properly and I had to to change the way I, I was and the way I behaved with that hand. And that happened for a time while it was healing. But once it was healed, now it's healed, I don't have to change the way I use it anymore. It's healed. And the thing with wounds is that what happens is and if they're not healed and if they're left and they're left unhealed, untreated, what happens is you end up with something about you that you can't use properly as it was meant to be used. So you have, to, you have to learn new ways of doing things. You maybe have to use your other hand and maybe you can't use that hand anymore. Maybe you've got to find use that hand awkwardly. But God's in the business of healing. God's in the business of healing. My God heals. I've seen healings. The Bible's full of examples of healing. The Bible's full of it. Anyone in here been healed of anything as a as a Christian? Yeah? How, can you see the hands going up? Put, put your hands up high. Don't be, don't be ashamed. If you've been healed, put your hands up. Yeah, I've been healed. Come on, Vicky, get that hand up. You've been healed, haven't you? Yeah. She's like that. She's putting her hand up like that. <laughs> Sorry, darling. <laughs> it's calling her out there. I don't believe God wants us to stay and remain in a place where we're having to to behave not as we are. Where we're having to find other ways of doing things. Where we're having to hold back. Where we're having to not be ourselves. Where we're having to operate in limited strength because we've got a wound. I believe that God wants us to be healed. I believe that. Now, that may be that for the rest of your life, you've got a scar there. It's not that the event never happened. It's not that it's not there anymore. But I believe that God wants us healed. That you can touch that scar. You can use that hand and it's of no issue to you whatsoever. The scar You can see it. You can even look at it and chat about it and talk about it. And it doesn't hurt anymore. Because you know that you've been healed. And that... ...is healing. That's what healing is. And being different can cause wounds that need healing. The other thing that being different can do... ...is it can get you into trouble. I was kind of reading my notes not long before I got up... ...and I just read this bit about it can get you into trouble... ...and I I sat there smirking. Because I'm just thinking, you know... ...it's got me in so much trouble. I've got in so much trouble over the years. I was always getting in trouble and still do to a certain degree... Being different gets you in trouble. Anyone know that? Anyone know that? I, 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 I mean, I was thinking of examples. You think about Peter in the Bible. How much trouble did Peter get in in the Bible? I mean, I could, I could go on and on and on. There's so, uh, some other things I want to draw out the Bible in a moment or two. But, but Peter, the one example I, I, that I thought about with Peter, and there's so many I could have pulled on, was the one where he cut the soldier's ear off. In fact, there's two, actually. There's the one where he cut the soldier's ear off. I mean, that that he, he did that out of a heart. He was different. Peter was different. There was a call on him. There was something about him. And to stand there and protect his Lord and Savior, he, he cut someone's ear off. He did something wrong. It got him into trouble. Fortunately, God was there to get him out of trouble. But it got him into trouble, yeah? And then the other example that came to mind about Peter was when Jesus is finally getting to the point where he's, he's revealing to them exactly who he really is. And God does this, you know, more and more he reveals and shows you more about himself and who he is and, and, and what he's able to do and all of those things. And, and he's getting to the point in his ministry where he's, he's sharing with the disciples. He's, he's explaining to them who he is and what's about to happen, the consequences of who he is. In fact, you could argue that who Jesus was, his difference got him into trouble. It's not quite as simple as that, but you know what I mean. And Peter, he jumps up. He's, he's there because that's Peter's heart and he's different. He's not like the other disciples. He's wanting to jump out and get involved and do it. And he jumps up, no, 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 Lord. No, 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 I won't allow that. You, you can't do that. And it got him in trouble because it was wrong he did something that was wrong and the thing about th- that side of it when it gets you in trouble when it gets you in in, in difficulties is that if you've if it's an external thing that's caused you problems We're not necessarily being treated badly or whatever, and you've not necessarily done anything wrong. Joseph is a great example of that in the Bible. He was a man who didn't do anything wrong. Literally, it's very hard if there is really any, any account of anything Joseph did actually wrong. He was very naive at times, let me say that, definitely naive. He opened his mouth when he perhaps shouldn't have done, particularly when he was sharing these stories and the dreams that he had at the beginning anyway. But that was something that God had put into him. But his, who he was, his difference, his gift, it got him in trouble. It got him in trouble with his brothers. It got him in trouble with, with, with everywhere he went. Even when he, he ended up in Egypt and he's working for this guy and he's been incredibly successful. And even then, it got him in trouble. It got him in trouble. And when you get in trouble, you need healing when it's not your fault. But when you've done something that's wrong, that's slightly different. And that brings different feelings. But guess what? God's got an answer for that. It's called forgiveness. It's called forgiveness. Come on. Anyone thankful for forgiveness? Anyone thankful for forgiveness? Anyone carrying a a, a weight? A weight of, of things that you've done wrong? Things that you've done where you've got yourself into trouble. It's a weight. So many, I'm not the first person to call it a weight. Everyone would describe it as a weight. It's a baggage that you carry around with you. But you know what? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. That thing that can cause that problem, the answer to that one is forgiveness. So when others spot your difference... What they often spot is there's a mark about you. And there's a, a word in the dictionary that I think lines up really, really well, because uh, often other people have called it, it's like a mark. The Bible can call it a mark. It's where you're marked out, you're separated. There's something about you that is different to other people. But do you know there's a great word to describe that? Remarkable. Yeah. Remarkable. When you are marked, when you are marked out as different, when there is something about you that is different to others, something that God has has made in his infinite wisdom about you that sets you apart from everybody else, and you might not think of it as anything significant. You might think, well, that's just a small thing. It's not a massive thing, but I know there's this little area where uh, I'm operating in or I'm good at or this or that or the other. That makes you remarkable. Think about that for a moment remarkable remarkable isn't it so often about how we view things so easy to to look at a mark as being a stain or something like a problem or an issue but then when you think about a mark as making you remarkable how incredible is that how utterly incredible is that it's amazing isn't it the point The point is this, that there's a common thing that happens with remarkable people. With people that are set apart as different, who have something about them. And it's that there is an enemy who would want to hold you back. Who would want your gift not to be used. He would want you not to be able to to achieve your destiny. The things that God has got for you. He would want to stop you and to hinder you from going on and achieving those things. That's what he wants to do. He wants to hold you back. And guess what? Guess one of his classic ways of doing it. The classic way he does it is with doubt and fear. Doubt and fear, it chokes you, it holds you back, it causes you to to, to withdraw, it causes you to to stop doing what you're doing, it causes you to, to stay and not go. And sometimes it can feel like, anyone felt like this, your faith has got you in trouble, you've stepped out in faith, you've gone and you've done things and that's got you in trouble. And then what happens then is that causes you to hold back. Anyone had that thought thinking, I need to step out a bit less. I need to just hold back. I need to be a bit more calm. I need to slow down a little bit. Can I tell you something? That's the enemy. That's the enemy. That's doubt. That's the enemy. He's wanting to hold you down. He's wanting to hold you back. He's wanting to restrict you. Why? Because it's really, really simple. to stop your faith. You see, your faith will cause you to step out. The Bible says that we walk by faith not by sight. So faith by its very nature causes you to step out, to step out into something that you can't see, to step out into something that you're not completely aware of, you don't completely understand. But what the enemy will do is he'll put pressure on you. He'll put pressure on you from different sides. He'll attack you. He'll wound you. He'll hurt you. He'll cause you to get in trouble. He'll cause you to do stupid things. Talked about stupid things last night. Every Bible character's done it. Pretty much every Bible character has done something stupid that you could look back on with hindsight and say, what were you thinking? But he's caught putting pressure on you at every single side. For what reason? To get you to back down. To get you to doubt your call. To get you to play it safe. Anyone feeling like you're feeling pressure to play it safe? I would suggest that's the time when you need to raise your faith on anyone believe that anyone believe that anyone in here feeling I know there's some of you in here I can sense the atmosphere I can feel it I knew before I got up I knew God had told me there were some people that I needed to speak to that were in this situation and the, the strange kind of atmosphere in this place is because it's going on in people's heads it's all whirring around in your brain and in your mind and you're thinking about those examples and the enemy's putting pressure on you to play it safe He's been trying to wound you and and harm you and damage you. Why? To get you to hold back. To get you in fear. To get you in doubt. To stop you from achieving and, and, and doing the things that God has got for you. Why? Because you're on the verge. Because you're on the verge. Do you realize that when you're right on the verge of something great, that's the time of greatest depression. It's the time of greatest doubt greatest doubt he wants you to hide your gift why because he's got something for you something incredibly special something incredibly great incredibly great if you've got bibles with you turn to james right at the very beginning this book james is writing to to brothers and sisters in the faith who were being persecuted they'd been scattered through persecution. Literally scattered. But these are people of faith he's talking to. He starts off right at the beginning. He says this letter is from James. A slave of God. And of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says I'm writing to the 12 tribes. Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. you struggling? Are you feeling like you've been scattered and held back and persecuted? God says this morning, greetings. Greetings. I've prepared all of this just for you. Just for you. The one that's struggling. The one that's finding the way difficult. The one that's feeling like you should hold back and, and, and take a step down. God says, no, greetings this morning. And, and you know what? He's about to tell you how to profit through trials. How to actually take the greatest trial, the greatest difficulty, the greatest issue that you've got in your life, the greatest problem, and profit through it. Actually, profit through it. Actually, it becomes something that makes you go on and achieve and go on and do great things. Actually, take your trial and profit from it. These people had to flee for their lives. That's why they were scattered abroad. It wasn't just that they'd kind of wandered off and they were going to different places. They were fleeing for their lives. These people were facing genuine persecution. Genuine persecution. This, was, this wasn't written like thousands of years on. This wasn't written a few years ago or even a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago. This wasn't written when Christianity had taken over the world and was great. This was written, scholars think this was written around about 60, 61, 62 AD. The church was still embryonic at that point. The church was up against it at that point. It was a, a, a cult It was being battered and bruised and mistreated. And the enemy was doing everything he could to stop it. To stop it and hold it back and to hold it down. One of the ways was he was telling everyone how it was different and how it was weird and how it was wrong. And then he was getting everyone to attack it. Then they were all getting themselves in trouble. These people had to flee for their lives. You are not alone. Do you realize that? You know when them doubts and fears come in, remind yourself, you're not alone. You're not the only person in history that's experienced this, and you're not the only person today that's experiencing this. Not the only person today. Listen to this. It says, dear brothers and sisters... When troubles of any kind. Everyone say any kind. When troubles of any kind. Any kind. Is that just some troubles? Anyone sat there thinking, well, mine's quite small, really. I'm not kind of getting. No, it says any kind. Any kind. However big, however small, whatever it is. You know what another trait the enemy does is? He'll try and get you thinking that your situation's unique, that there's no one else who's done what you've done. There's no one else who's been in the situation that you're in. Guess what? It's not true. Guess what? It's not true. There's no sin, there's no temptation, there's no problem that's not affected everyone. says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What? Great joy? Hold on. Let me just read that again. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity to moan, to get on the phone and tell everyone about it, to stick it on Facebook, to kind of to, to suddenly withdraw and, and, and hold back and tell everyone how difficult it is and complain and moan. No, no, no. These were people who were being persecuted, who, who had to flee for their lives. And James' answer, under the inspiration of God, is to consider it an opportunity for great joy. Remember the context. This isn't written last year or a hundred years ago, when the church was great. This was written when the church was under persecution, its worst type of persecution. History tells us they overcame. History tells us they overcame. History tells us those words, those words built the church and made it great, spread the church. History tells us this wasn't written last year. This isn't some new advice. This isn't some, some new doctrine, some new idea, some great idea of, oh, well, just just be happy. Just put a smile on your face. You'll get through it. Smile and it'll be fine. No, no, no. This was written at its lowest point, at its most difficult time, when they were facing persecution, written to people who were facing persecution, written to people who were being scattered and, and killed and, and crucified for the faith even. And guess what? It worked. It worked. It worked. And it still works today. And it still works today. He says, treat it as pure. It uh, says, great joy. Another translation puts it, pure joy. Pure joy. Not defiled. We often think of it as if it's a problem, if, it, if it's an issue, if it's something awful, something terrible. No, God says, it's pure It's perfect. It's not a problem. It's not a problem. The more you cause the thing you think of is a problem, a problem, an issue, the more you'll be stuck in it. The more you'll never, ever get out of it. But the Bible's advice is to call it pure joy, to call it great, to call it a wonderful thing, to call it something great and something incredible you see the problem is when you call it a problem and you call it an issue what you're doing is you're focusing on that you're taking away any influence that you or god can have in the situation you're removing all the faith all of the faith and guess what happens when all the faith is gone what what's what are you left with doubt and fear and what does doubt and fear cause failure absolute failure But pure faith causes pure success. Great joy. It's perfect. Trials. Talking about trials. Trials don't sound good, do they? No. Well, guess what? You're thinking about it the wrong way. Sorry, I trapped you in that. Right, listen, listen, right? Here's the thing. We go, trials. I'm going through trials. But guess what? You know when a footballer's going for trials for Liverpool? And they've got an opportunity to go and play for Liverpool, the greatest football team in this country. <laughs> that shouldn't have been a laugh. That should have been a yes. Yeah, that's right, Barry. Yeah. <laughs> We're second in the league now, by the way. Anyway, when a footballer, when a young footballer is going for trials for Liverpool, what do you think he's telling his mate? Do you think he's going round going, oh, guess what? I'm going, I, oh, no, no, I've got I've got some trials. I've got to go through this trial with Liverpool, and no, not at all. He's going round telling everyone it's a great thing. Guess what? I'm going for trials. I'm going for trials. Trials for Liverpool. When an actor's going to, to an audition to be on the West End, do they moan and complain? Oh, I've got to stand in front of my, my Andrew Lloyd Webber. I've got Man, it's terrible. Oh, I'm going through some trials at the moment. Oh, I've got to go all the way down to the West End and I've got to perform in front of the great and the good. They don't do that, do they? So why do we? Why do we? Why do we? Listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Not tested to failure, but tested to success. Not tested to woe and moan and doubt and fear, but tested to faith. Tested to great faith. And when faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Verse 4 says, so let it grow, let it, don't fight it, don't, don't, go against it, let it, let it grow, here's what to do, let it grow, change your mindset, change the way you're viewing what you're going through at the moment, start calling it, it's a trial, guess what guys, I'm going through a trial, I've got trials, God's called me for trials, that's what the young footballer says, isn't he, He says Liverpool have been on the phone and they're asking me to go for trials, try going round and sticking on Facebook, guess what, God's called me for trials, he's called me, picked me out, he's chosen me, he's gone through all the Christians in Hope Church, and he picked me out, and he said, Barry, I want you to go for trials. Oh, brilliant. Great. I've got an opportunity to to show my faith, to succeed, to be great, to do something amazing for the kingdom of God. Anyone get this? Anyone fancy that? Anyone tried it? Come on. Four. In verse four as well. But the other word for. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. Needing nothing. Needing nothing. Your faith will have been tested and proved. Proved. Your faith proved. Anyone fancy that? Come on. But perhaps the most important verse in all of this is the next one. Don't put it up quite yet. The, the, the most important verse in this is probably the next one, really. Because there is, a, there is a, a, a caveat. There is a caveat. And it, it really goes back the things I've been talking about, the wounds and and the kind of persecution and the failures and and the sins that we've all fallen into and all of these different things that we've done where we've got it wrong or we've been battered and we've been bruised and attacked and you name it. James says this, he says, but, 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 we all know what the but means. It means the next bit is the most important bit. This bit is the most important bit. He says, but when you ask him, God. Actually, I've missed out verse 5. Verse 5 is talking about for wisdom. But this applies to anything. This isn't just about wisdom. But you could argue it's wisdom to deal with the trial and the situation that you're going through and all of that. But this is universal. This applies to everything. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Not in people. Not in others. God might be asking you to trust in others, but he's asking, actually asking you to trust in him. In him. Come on. Not in contracts. Anyone waiting for a job or waiting for something? Uh, we've all been in that situation. Maybe you're about to buy a house and you're not sure if it's going to fall through. And At which point do you kind of go around and tell everyone? It's when the contract's signed, isn't it? But that's not what it says here says that's not the point to be joyous. It might be the point when you want to share a testimony and tell everyone because, you know, that's fine, that's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the point to be full of faith and joy and and, and realizing that it's going to happen. The point when you realize it's going to happen is when God tells you it's going to happen. Not when a contract or someone else or a situation or whatever tells you it's going to happen. When you ask God. Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. In other words, believe and do not doubt. Believe and do not doubt. Believe and do not doubt. Believe and do not doubt doubt. Mandy talks about repetition. Believe and do not doubt. Believe and do not doubt. The enemy wants to get you in doubt. The enemy wants to get you in doubt. Fearing and doubting and wondering and questioning. But God says clearly, just believe. Jesus said in another place, only believe. Only believe. The word believe is the same word for faith. Faith always has an action. Faith always has an action attached to it. Because faith without works is dead. Faith without an action is dead faith. There's no such thing as faith without an action. It's not faith. It's just words taught. Even the world knows that. Believe and do not doubt. Believe and do not doubt. Can we get the music team up? Hallelujah. Anyone going through what you may have already called difficult circumstances, trials, problems, issues? Remember a time when you didn't have what you've now got? Remember a time when you hoped for what you've now got? Remember that? Remember that? Remember when you were praying and asking God to give you what you've now got? What you've now got? What you've now got? You remember that? Anyone remember that? Anyone, anyone had that situation? You've, you were praying and you were asking God for what you've now got. Yeah? Yeah? And you've got it now, haven't you? Yeah, you've got it. God's given it to you. He answered that, didn't he? Yeah, he did that for you. good, that, isn't it? Thanks, God. Thank you. Thank you. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. He will do it again. He will do it again. I, I, I do believe that there's some... There are a couple of issues we need to deal with this morning. Some some problems. I think we need some healing in this place this morning. I think some of you, uh, I believe that some of you are being held back by wounds, by people who've who've hurt you and damaged you and harmed you. And so that that wound is is still it's still sore to the touch. It, 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 it hurts. I'm not on about like on my hand. That that doesn't need healing. That's done. I'm not going to issue with that. I've had issues, the things that have happened to me over the years, and I don't need healing now. It's done. I'm healed. I'm healed. I might be scarred from it, but I'm I'm healed. I'm done. I'm on about those ones that that they hurt, they cause you to flinch, they're causing you to to hold back, to do things differently, to to respond and react differently to the situations that you're in. Guys, feel free to start playing. <laughs> you guys are great, you know. So that might have sounded a bit, you know, that was men in the light, nicest way. I think there's some of you that need some healing this morning and I I also think that there's some of you in here this morning and you, you need forgiveness and the thing is most likely most of you in here you're actually already forgiven Maybe you just don't realize it. Maybe there's just, the enemy's got in with doubt and fear. So maybe with, with a, a lot, we're just dealing with that kind of idea that you're not forgiven. The enemy's sowing no seeds, that you're, you're in persecution, that you're, you're in condemnation. Probably the better word, isn't it? You're being, He's condemning you, that you're, you're awful. No one's as bad as you. You know, No one's as bad as you. You know there's other people who've murdered and done all kinds of terrible things. But you, in, in your mind, anyone done that? In your mind, you're still worse than them. (laughs) anyone done that or is it just me maybe it's just me (laughs) maybe it's just me i do that sometimes i kind of i'll i'll sit and i'll think yeah but this guy's done it but the enemy will yeah but barry you're you're still worse than him you're still worse you're still worse